Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Rebecca Wurtz, and Rebecca's pre-birth experience is one I've never heard of really before. She was able to see in her pre-birth planning her other lives, intimately going into those lives and seeing other worlds as well that she has incarnated to. This is a fascinating conversation. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Rebecca Wirtz. Hey, there, Rebecca. Hi. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a bit because we've had a lot of near-death experiences on the show, but we don't have a lot of pre-birth experiences on the show. Mm-hmm. And they are as fascinating, if not even a little bit more fascinating sometimes, they than are. near-death experiences. So uh, before we get into your pre-birth experience, what was your life like before you remembered or really embraced these memories? Yeah. So um, I grew up in the Mormon church and I had a traumatic childhood, um, a lot of all forms of abuse and whatnot. And in healing from the abuse and, um, you know, confronting my perpetrator and taking him to trial and going through that whole process, um, you know, I the church was not giving me the answers that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been through so much and it didn't make sense why, you know, maybe my college roommate had a, a great upbringing. You know, I just didn't understand. It didn't make sense. Um, the church just was not offering me answers. So I decided to kind of like look elsewhere and to um, kind of just spread my wings a little bit and ask about other religions and people and just do a lot of self-exploration. And I kind of had my teenage rebellion during those years, even though I was in my mid twenties, it was hitting then. Um, and I was married in, in the temple, um, in the Mormon temple before, but, um, that, uh, that marriage, we just kind of left amicably. And then I got married later. And about two months after that, uh, my wedding, um, to my second husband, <laughs> um, I started having a lot of questions about after death and what happens when you die. And, um, I wanted to find my own answers. And that's when I found the endearth.org, which is all of the near death experiences. And I must've stayed up all night reading them. And I felt like I was remembering things I already had known And it was just a really beautiful experience that launched me into a spiritual awakening. And this was in 2006. 
So I went through the spiritual awakening. I also had some divine ET contact, which was really amazing. I didn't know what was going on until I researched some of the names that were being given to me, either during meditation or in a dream state. And I've never heard of these names. Um, You know, so the fact that I was being uh, reached out to was just like, wow, something big is going on. I also had like a um, spontaneous sort of Kundalini awakening. And it was during lucid sleep, the kind where you can close your eyes, but you feel like you can still see the room around you and in a weird sort of like grayish format. So and then I had this like lucid Kundalini awakening and it was it was wonderful. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a seizure. (laughs) Yeah, they they tend to be that way. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, fast forward. I've had a lot of great. Uh, you know, experiences and everything. And then I've, you know, had trouble getting pregnant. I got pregnant, but I always had this inner knowing like the birth is going to be hard. Um, I just knew that for myself. And um, sure enough, it was really, really traumatic. Another traumatic experience where I had a retained placenta. Sorry, this grosses you out. But I hemorrhaged and I lost consciousness and I had to have emergency surgery and then two blood transfusions. And when I woke up from the surgery, it felt like I had been somewhere. So it was sort of like a mini ND without me remembering anything. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of near death type um, things happen afterwards with just a lot of psychic ability, just a lot of abilities that I never had before. I would say for about a year. So within that year, finally, I'm sorry, I'm getting to the point. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, within that year, I had the remembrance of the pre-birth experience that um, I actually have two memories. Of it. So the first so, memory was, oh, I'm well, sorry. Go ahead. So before we get into the, before we get into the pre-birth memories, um, you know, it's so funny because I've had a couple of ex-Mormons uh, on the show and I'm a recovering Catholic myself. Uh, so it's, it was really interesting because I have, have really dear friends in the Mormon church and I know I know way more than I need to know about the Mormon religion yeah. <laughs> because of it. Fast forward, she had her teenage rebellion in in her 40s mm. uh, when she left the church. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like because it's like almost there's not a – I'm not saying that there's not a – you don't mature like the rest of the world, but it seems right. like – am I wrong on that, that assumption? It's kind of like you're kind of like stunted, if you will. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're not allowed that self-exploration. You're given the answers and what to believe. There you go, you know, right. and so, you know, um, and if you follow that faithfully there, you know, there's nothing really that will shape you out of that unless something traumatic happens, really some kind right. of life event that kind of shakes your belief. Got it. Exactly. And so when you decided to kind of uh, all this self self exploration and spiritual awakenings, Kundalini's and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm did you keep this all to yourself or did you kind of come out and start talking to people about it? Took me a long time. Took me a long time. Yeah. You were in the closet. if you So I started a YouTube channel with the hopes of just sharing harp music and everything. And eventually got the courage to talk about this stuff. Mostly after my birth, that birth experience, I was just getting so much information and I was getting the feeling like, I've got to move my channel in this direction and um, share a lot of this information. And um, if it helps anybody, you know, um, there's a lot of people awakening right now. And 
finding their own truth. And uh, I just felt like this was the time to start coming out. It was so hard. I was so scared. Um, sure. But now it just feels so right. And everything, and because I have done it, and because of the positive reinforcement I've gotten, and just the passion that I have about that and helping others, it's, um, it's like, it does, it just takes away the fear of going through that. So, yeah. So let's go into that, the, the pre-birth experience. Tell me what yeah. you remember and how did it, how did it spawn? What, what sparked it? So the, uh, going through a lot of the abuse trauma and trying to heal that in my twenties, I had a lot of questions like, why was I born into my family? Why did I experience that? So one of the pre-birth memories I had was, um, through this healing process, kind of a vague remembrance of being in a room with a soul family group, a large one. And they were actually kind of excited because they were all planning their life, different lives and what they wanted to accomplish and everything. And I remember a table or a screen or something like that, where we could do some like reviewing of things, of how things could play out. I think healing generational trauma was a big one. Uh, mental health and illness um, issues go like, far back into both lines of my family. So I think that was a big theme that would that was um discussed at that time. But I remember like saying, I want to go down at this time and do that and come into this family group and be the one to kind of go through the um the thick of it, the hardest part of it. Um and I do remember volunteering for that. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Sometimes I often question myself, like, why did I do that? <laughs> but I do very much remember the volunteering aspect of it. And um, because of that, that really challenged how I felt about, like, the abuse that happened to me and kind of like how I felt about all of that and my abuser and all, you know, just like, well, does that mean I had a part in it, you know, or that I kind of knew that something or there was a potential for something like this to happen? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And um, I had to work it out for many years because it was important in my healing process and in the whole part of like, Everybody talks about forgiveness and it's so different for everybody else. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and forgive their abuser right away. It's a process. It's a process. But I know I had a hand in it somehow um, in terms of I knew something was going to be happening. So I think that was a big part of how I was able to forgive and kind of like move on and kind of spiritually launch myself out of this other life, you know, I just call it my before life, before my spiritual awakening kind of life, you know, um, it explained a lot about it. So, um, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to hear that, you know, cause they're not, oh, they're not at that point. And I wasn't, it was years, you know, I had to, I had to go through the anger. I had to go through the trial. I had to go through the, like, he needed to be prosecuted and sent to jail and he was and all of that. So, um, you know, I had, and I had to go through my anger with the church being a perfect oh, yeah. foundation for that kind of thing to exist. We are supposed to obey our priesthood holders, you know, um, and this, this priesthood holder was the abuser and 
He baptized people. He passed a sacrament. He did all those church type of things and callings and everything. And, um, you know, so it's, it was a lot. I had to go through that, a lot of that anger and healing. So let me, let me ask you this. And I, and, and I mean, no disrespect when I ask this question. So please take that. I'm I'm asking it purely as a devil's advocate for people who are watching who might say, and I, if, if you've seen my show, you know what I do all the time. Like this all sounds nuts. This all <laughs> sounds crazy. You know, not, for for people who are watching, who are like, this is a little bit, uh, you know, this is made up in her head. Maybe she's using this as a coping mechanism to deal with her trauma. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who are having a difficult time believing in this this all of this stuff? Not just the pre-birth, mm-hmm. but the spiritual awakening and all of these mm-hmm. other things. I, and I say that because I want you to prove to them how Hmm. real it is to you? Oh gosh, that's such a huge question. And I still feel like I have to somewhat prove. And and it's it's really sad because um, I get it though. Somebody looks at me and they're like, how are you even functioning right now? How, with what happened to you, how are you even at this level? Mm -hmm. And I think that had a big part of why I volunteered is because I knew I could take on a lot of darkness. I feel like a transmuter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, um, I also, I felt like I had a great love for my family and for the perpetrator and the abuser. I, that was the very hard and conflicting part was that I loved him. You know, he's my father. So, you know, I, it was like two different people, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or however Mm -hmm. that goes. So, you know, it, it was hard. I, I wanted so much to heal, um, this, and it's always been my driving force. Um, so when I was hospitalized for, um, suicide attempts and, and all of that through my twenties and thirties, I mean, that's the bulk of where I went through all my suffering and, um, I think because I was able to leave the church and get away from that box, like thinking I was able to then connect with my higher self and be able to be like, why, why, why not just like, Oh, the Lord is giving you trials that only you can handle that answer from the church was not working for me. Oh no, (laughs) that is not going to work for me. So I wanted to know what, what was this? And that, vague memory that I had of volunteering. Why did I have that? Why do I have that? And I just would go into it more. And I, you know, I would feel into it more and I would understand and I'd be given um, more information when I went into meditative states or connected with my guides and um, just spiritually advanced myself. I've been very, just a very goal oriented person. So it's just, um, I'm kind of a trailblazer. That's just my energy. Mm-hmm. So, and because I'm a trailblazer, I, I want to make that trail so that I can help make it easier for other people. That is my passion, truly. You are a warrior in many ways, my dear. You Thank are, you. You are, you are <laughs> yeah. a warrior um, because you are, again, plotting a trail out, out of this religion and, and out of these circumstances for others to kind of model. And uh, as they say, the first one through the wall is generally bloodied. 
Uh, <laughs> or first one over the hill is the one with the arrows in their back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, really feel that, yeah. <laughs> so so what, before we get to the second uh, pre-birth experience, in that first pre-birth, what did you feel? How did you communicate? What was, you know, I, I, I've heard the room and I've heard the soul group and I've heard yeah. the mini life review. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've heard of the giddy energy of yes. like, oh my God, we're going on a ride. It's like yeah. right before a roller coaster, like we're going on a ride, we're going on a ride <laughs> and we're going to do this loop and we're going to do that loop. And that's kind of the vibe that I got. But mm-hmm. on a, on a tact, if there's a way, you know, did you feel love? Did you feel nothing? Was there any smells? Was there any, Yeah. how did you communicate in that first section? So the, the first, I, so I have the two pre-birth memories. The first one is with the family soul group. The second one was the roller coaster one that you were talking about. So that was something totally different that came after the birth experience, which okay. I haven't gone into detail yet. And okay. I can share that later if you'd like. Um, so yes. back with, with the family, I just remember feeling love for the group, a lot of love. Okay. And, and like okay. you said, there was giddy energy. I do. And I'm still kind of confused about this. I do not know if I was part of that soul group or if I came in separate and fell in love with their plan or what they wanted to do and found that it aligned with mine. And so we kind of joined forces and I said, yes, I'll help out kind of thing. I still don't know. Um, I'd like to think they're my soul group, you know, because I love my family, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, um, but I don't know. And it's funny. I don't, I don't know why I am not clear on that yet. So I think it's maybe it's just they sent you enough information yes. to to help you with what you need right now. Right. Just exactly. enough to just go, she needs this cracker. Let's throw her a cracker, <laughs> not the whole box. Right. Let's they do throw... that a lot with me. Yes. I do that with everybody, by the way. That's just because we yeah. take it fly with it. Yeah. Well, no, because if <laughs> any kind knew, of information. Right. If you knew the entire plan, it ruins the fun. Like if yeah. you knew Everything exactly. fun. Use I use the term fun as a loose term, but you know, from my understanding from the other side, this is a ride. This is fun. This is an experience that you can't get on the other side, and everyone's kind of giddy to do it. Good, bad, or indifferent, in mm-hmm. all the experiences. Um, and we we have a very difficult time dealing with that down here. It's kind of like Mario. Right. It's kind of like if you're in, interviewing Mario. In Donkey Kong, and like, dude, the damn monkey keeps throwing the barrels at me. I know, yeah, but you get excited and you have to build, get the points, and like, right? It's a gamer's game. It's I'm a gamer, so I know it's like this is such a video game. Like, you Mm -hmm. get your character, you get to pick what they look like and what they're wearing, and the avatar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then like, you know, your your different challenges. You know what. What do you want to accomplish, what experience or whatnot, you know, and here we are. And again, everybody has free will and free choice. So there was very much, I felt like with these mental health issues, there was a lot of potentials for abuse type storylines to take place, even Mm -hmm. though we weren't exactly sure, you know, 100% what's going to happen. I still think they know they have some kind of knowing up there. That's like probability, potentials you know, a way of seeing different types of things that can come up. And I, I guess that's what the screens are for. <laughs> right. And and I I always call, I, I call us God's algorithm because mm-hmm. there is a position, you aim it at a direction, but it kind of goes where it wants. You don't know exactly where it's going to go, 
right. we know the direction it's going. And there's exactly. certain kind of markers that it has to hit. So yeah. there's like, you know, if there's an abuse in the in your life, you're going to have that abuse. How you deal with it, how you get there, where you go from it is the what ifs. You know, if you're going to, you know, make a big giant in my world, make a big movie, you're going to get that opportunity. How you get there, where happens, all this other stuff <laughs> kind of goes in different directions. Um, and it's hard for people to wrap their head around because no one here can think, why would I want to be abused? Why would I want to be poor? Why would I be mm -hmm. born with one without one leg? Why do I have this chronic illness? You know, yeah. why was I born into this family? It's hard to process that idea down here. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's why I'm so thankful for that memory because it, and it was given to me. And I believe Alex, it definitely was just enough to give me in order to do the healing that I needed to do to get to the next level. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right. So, no pun intended. No pun intended. No, no pun intended. Next <laughs> It gives you, it just give. they give you enough sometimes. And they, but you know, it's so funny. They do know when and how much to give, mm -hmm. um, whether it's signs, whether it's certain things to get, to keep you going. Mm -hmm. And they know like, uh oh, she's on a block. We got to throw her a bone. Right. You know, if not, she's going to derail and we're going to have to do this all over again. <laughs> Let's not yeah. do that for her. Let's try to help her out. They can't interfere, but they just drop crumbs for us to kind of follow, if you will. Absolutely. And when I was going through my um, suicide, many numerous attempts and everything, and the healing that I came out of that was knowing it, 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 it was like, it. I finally got it. I can't do that because I'll be back doing the same thing somewhere else. It could be on a different planet. I don't know, but I would have to learn whatever I wanted to learn or accomplish or do in some other way. So it would be like a delay in the process, a huge where, delay. Where did you hear that? Like, how did you come to that realization? That was like an inner knowing. It was an inner No knowing. one told you that. You didn't read that anywhere or anything. It's just some, no one spoke words of God didn't come into you. You just mm -hmm. kind of like, if I do this. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. So that was just an inner knowing. So that might've very well easily been a message from your guides, strong yes. message going. Yes. It's up to you, but yeah. you're kind of throwing away what you can accomplish down here in a short amount of time. Well, to them, it's short to us. It feels like agony and it's very slow. Um, but um, yeah, I definitely got that, that feeling. And that really helped um, kind of stop that sort of suicidal like cycle you know, that I would go through year after year, you know? So, yeah, cause, cause if you're like, if you do, you're not only gonna have to do this again, you're gonna have to be a baby again. You're gonna have to crawl <laughs> again, which is a very rough years. Diapers again. And you gotta learn how to walk. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. thing. It's a thing. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, and that's why they say this life is a gift for that reason. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. It made sense. Our, so tell me about your second, the roller coaster. Oh, yeah. So that one's fun. That one's fun. So, you know, after you've had like a near death type experience, a lot of strange things happen. And I've shared that on my channel. Um, I have a little video that goes over what I went through. One of those was a pre-birth experience. It was, yes, it was in a sort of like dream, but it was, it was kind of dream where you felt like you were never asleep. 
and it was so vivid. And when you woke up, you were just like, you know, immediately, like you didn't feel groggy or tired or anything. You just open your eyes and you're like, wow, I was just there. Mm -hmm. So that experience is a lot of fun. Um, so <laughs> it's a pre-birth experience I had of another life. Um, or I was observing another life. Yes. Okay. So I remember being this curious, like little orb. Um, and I was so childlike and I was in this heavenly atmosphere, you know, cloud flooring, you know, and there was like this sort of bubble like dome. Um, and it had the colors of a bubble, but I felt like the bubble wall was like thick, like you, there was a boundary to it. And, um, so I was very curious and suddenly I noticed a, a guide helping another soul prepare to go down to earth. And I thought, oh, well, that looks interesting. Hey, can I do that? <laughs> Literally, it was that easy. Just the basic curiousness. And the guide was like, sure, you know, um, yeah, let's, let's, um, let's get you ready. So the first thing I remember is going through this bubble barrier, which now I know and to understand was the veil. Um, that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I remember there was a resistance to it, like an energetic resistance to it. So I went through that. And then um, there was this sort of tube that you would prepare to go down into. And it, to me, it was shown to me, so I wouldn't freak out. You're given like images that you're most relating to that make you happy or, you know, they, that don't make you scared. They don't want to scare you. So I saw like a roller coaster, you know, and you get into this car and, you know, you get situated and you're getting ready and you're putting on, you know, whatever. But what I was doing then it switched from the vision of getting into a roller coaster to, I was trying, I was getting into an energetic body template, which was absolutely fascinating. And the guide was telling me now you've got to spread because I'm this little bubble, right? So, or, you know, this little orb. I need to spread my energy into every nook and cranny into this light body. And I remember it being very like energetically like uncomfortable and it was hard to hold. And I wasn't going anywhere until I, you know, satisfied their, their specifications for filling out this complete light body. And once that happened, zoom down, I went through this tunnel. And then the very next memory that I had, was observing the pregnant mother during birth and i was kind of outside of her and i was observing not only her pain and and kind of like energetically feeling her pain too i think that's an empath thing that i just have but i was able to feel that like she was in a lot of pain but i felt her excitement about having a child um so i felt like overall it was positive even though i was worried about her so after that, the next memory I have is that I see, and again, it's like I'm seeing from an outside perspective, um, I see like a one or two year old in a high chair and it's an old fashioned high chair. Um, and I'm celebrating my first or second birthday and I'm a boy. So that's the first mm. time I, I, I'm figuring out, oh my gosh, I'm a boy in this life. And she was very happy and excited, you know, to, to be celebrating the mother. And we had a, a strong connection. I just remember that. And then that was all that was given to me. And that's when I woke up. And so I was really worried. I was really worried because I had feelings for that mother. Did I die? 
And that's why I only remember that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or was I only given that much to remember? Because if I remembered more of that life, it would really mess with my current life. So I'm hoping it's the latter because I would really, I did not want to cause that mother grief after everything she went to, to have a child. So mm. that was an amazing experience. And I haven't had one sentence like that, <laughs> you know? Um, well, well, let me ask yeah. you why. Oh, there's a, there's a bunch to unpack there. Why do you think that they showed you this life memory? Is this a past life? I'm assuming. I think it was. Yeah. Of because yours. it feels what, like. But, but was it, but what year do you think it was based on what they were 1930s, like? 40s. Oh, oh, okay. So you could tell yeah. by the way they were dressed. Yes. Uh, that was the kind period in your, tr in your spiritual travels, uh, mm -hmm. in your education, have okay. you heard of this concept of there is no past, present or future that everything's happening all at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. So all of our past lives quote unquote past are happening as we speak. Right. And anything that we do in this life ripples back that way and ripples forward, quote unquote, because that's how we have to look at it here. Yeah. Do you think that you were just stepping into, I always, I always say our, our soul's life cycle is a record and our, the needle on the record is where we are right now. I was thinking a spiral, but I love yours. Your analogy is so great. It's so perfect. Cause all you have to do is move that needle. Right. So did they yes. pick the needle up and move you back a, a few grooves to go, oh, yes. this is from the, do you think that's what happened? Absolutely. And I remembered a future life too. So please. Ooh, <laughs> I'd love to hear this one. Ray so, guns and, uh, and, and mutant people. Let's go. <laughs> so this one. Yeah. Right. This, one, this one actually, I, um, yes. Well, I had that. Well, gosh, I've had so many experiences, but this, um, future life, I felt like had a lot of karma attached to it. Um, I know a lot of people don't believe in the karma, but I felt like to me, it was just a heaviness that maybe I felt like I wanted to clear, but I was another being, I was not human. Okay. I was male sort of an energy. I was tall. I was like an alien type being. And I was responsible for a planet where these simple minded, but innocent other beings were living. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And because of a power thing, a struggle, it's really hard to explain this because it's like, I have no words. Um, authoritarian power struggle I was going through. I let the people, the, the beings on this planet be harmed and be destroyed. I know that sounds absolutely nuts, but I felt such a karmic responsibility and a sadness for that because of my own um, fear that I, that I had as that being it's part of why I'm here doing kind of the like um, awakening work that I do with people and feeling like I can help another planet out. Does that make sense? I know that's really it, wild. No, it makes but, sense. It does. It does make sense. I mean, uh, the way I always look at, you know, when people bring in other beings, I'm like, look, if God made the universe, it's a lot of real estate, guys. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. a lot of really. He's not gonna. He or she is not going to put it in made. one little place. It's like, yeah, that's it. Everything else is just for you guys to look at outside, <laughs> and you can't see most of it anyway. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then when you right. start getting into quantum physics and multi dimensions and you just like okay it, it, yeah at a certain point i get it um yeah but you're not the first to, to talk to me about those kind of things as far as 
seeing other realms, seeing other planets in past life, uh, past lives and future lives and near death experiences, even where they travel to other uh, mm-hmm. planets and so on. Um, it's it's interesting because mm-hmm. if you only think of the the narrow idea that there's only one planet that's six thousand years old, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that one that idea only it's a very very small idea mm-hmm. and that's very egotistic, very ego based. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> it's a completely ego based. Yeah. Where if you really look at even even scientists and physicists are just like come on 100 there's a hundred billion earth-like planets let's not talk about the other trillions of quadrillions of other planets but earth-like planets are like 100 billion in the milky way just in the milky way yeah not all the other (laughs) galaxies out there so when you start thinking of the math you're like of course this makes sense Mm -hmm. but it all it all kind of works together with what you're saying because you felt this great like oh i I helped I, i didn't defend an entire people Mm-hmm. And now I have to kind of do my penance. Yes, yeah, for that to yeah to kind of help others uh, karmically. It, it does yeah. make sense to me. It does yeah. kind of make sense what you're talking about. Um, and I felt it, a deep sadness. I didn't even know what was going on. I had I was reading a book, just a random book about planet destruction, and I immediately burst into tears. And I had no idea why I had such sadness. And then later on, getting these memories back and everything and piecing everything together, I'm like, oh, gosh, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. So when you had this other, uh, this future or this other uh, life experience, Mm -hmm. how did that get triggered? Were you in a meditation? I was on a beach in Mexico. (laughs) And it just showed up? You just like sleep? I just closed closed my eyes. I was very relaxed. Um you know, cause I was on vacation. I was alone. Um, I think my friends or family or whatever, we were just, there was a bar nearby and they were probably at it or whatever. I was just left in complete silence to be. And, and showed up. And it, yeah. And I was in the sun. And sometimes I wonder about the sun having certain kind of codes, awakening codes. I don't know. Some people talk about it, but I don't know. Has, I, yeah, it definitely has UV rays. So please put some block on, um, <laughs> but don't remember uh, anything. Put on some block. <laughs> so, um, what are the, do you remember any other pre-birth experiences or any other like past lives as well? Just those two. I do have strong affinities for certain time eras that I'm yeah. sure are connected with past lives, but I don't have any specifics. Yeah, isn't that Again. interesting? Isn't that interesting though that like there's something that you're drawn to. Like I'm drawn to Japanese Mm -hmm. culture, samurais, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been drawn to that all my life. It's just fascinating to me. Not, you know, not King Arthur, not knights, it's samurais for whatever reason. So I've always loved samurais uh, growing up. And it's just something that's always kind of in the culture in general, the culture Mm -hmm. in general. So I'm like, Oh, that must've been something or absolutely. Or like, you know, different cultures or, you know, pyramids here or the, or, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of ancient civilizations there. It's always fascinating why you are drawn to certain things. Absolutely. And when you have, you have kids, right? So I do when you, when you see children uh, and I have children as well, when you see them growing up and you see them just start to change in the sense of being drawn to certain things mm-hmm. and you're like, where or their personality traits start to pop off. And you're like, there's no one around 
who they're modeling. Right. There's no one to influence that. Where is this coming from? Like I always say they're programmed at the factory that way. Uh, so, because it's like, this, it makes no sense, you know, like, why would they be acting that way if there's literally nothing around them right? influencing them or like, why are they drawn to, you know, a disaster that they absolutely, you know, like Pompeii, like, oh, I love Pompeii. Mm-hmm. I need to study Pompeii. You're like, were you at Pompeii? Oh, why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is that, like, is that why? Are you there? Yeah. Like, why is that out of all the things that have happened in history? that's drawn to just yeah. fascinating. It's a really fascinating, uh, the journey, um, in any of these other experiences, um, did you, what was the feeling like as far as any, did you have any sensory feeling or was it just watching a show? Um, it, it was watching a show that you're very connected to with all the sensory feeling and emotions. So when you wake up, it doesn't feel like, oh, that was an interesting dream. It was like, no, I was like physically, emotionally involved with this happening. And it it feels more vivid than a dream. And um, it just makes a lot of spiritual sense. Do you know what I mean? It like fits like a puzzle piece into your life. It's like information that you're given. And you're like, oh my goodness, that makes sense. So that's the way you can tell for when sure. You, when you When you start having these, how does it start to shape your perception of this life and where you're going? Yeah. (laughs) Well, because not really a lot of information was given to in that pre-birth experience that I remembered being a boy in another life. I really don't know how it shaped other than it was given to me of the, the whole pre-birth process. Um, And I think it was given to me, as because I needed to share it. Um, and also just like proof to me about like the near death experiences that I had been researching. Maybe it was given to me like, well, look at this pre-birth experience too. <laughs> you know, It was like my whole interest in the whole process has always been there. That whole process of like, how do we come down? How do we leave? Um, what do we do there? You know, <laughs> I'm curious in everything. And so uh, because I have such a curious nature, you know, I'm, I'm very open, very open-minded. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I've, I, I, I've asked many channels that too. I'm like, so is there a bar up there? Do we all hang out <laughs> at? Like, are there dances and movies? Uh, for my understanding. I'm taking harp lessons just in case, you just know, in that case. I have to play that to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so when you decided to, I mean, it's one thing to have all this stuff happening to you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe tell a friend or two, but when you come out publicly with all of yeah. this, how did your friends, family kind of react, <laughs> colleagues react about this? And how did you deal with it psychologically? Um, luckily it's been, it's been very kind. Um, the worst things I've gotten are YouTube comments, honestly, but for, oh. with my family, let's take my relationship with my husband, for instance, he's, he's you know, when I married him, he was very like atheist, agnostic type of thing. Um, but he's come a long way seeing what I've gone through. And also we've practiced manifesting stuff together, you know, like check checks in the mail, $50 or something easy to manifest. And he's like, Whoa, that happened. And then we started moving that into his career and everything. So he started to believe a little bit more, you know, into like, there's, there's something there, there's something there. Um, and so we had to come to a place in our relationship where it was like, 
I don't need for you to believe that this is true. I need you to believe that it's true for me. And I'm like, if you can do that, we'll, we'll be okay. And he said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And so that's how we've been able to deal with our faith differences, you know, and our beliefs. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, if he can give me that respect and he has, you know, and so that's been a big part of it. My sister has, I've just been gently waiting by her side, being in her energy, being available for her to also like come to her own realizations. And she's she still, had, is she still in the church or she left? She was, but she also left and she left and she came to me when she was ready, you know, and, but I couldn't force it on her, um, but I could be there for her. Yeah. Right. So um, she's also making her own psychic discoveries right now um, that are blowing her mind and having her own wake up. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. So to me, I'm like, if I'm in that person's energy, I already know it's already stirring things up for them. Um, I feel like the more awakened a person is, the more spiritual person, you know, because you've come into with so many yogis and different people, when you get in their energy, it's suddenly like you go up a level. You're like, wow, you know, I just leveled up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Their energy is so powerful and so peaceful. And it just, it calibrates into your own energy and then just brings up your own stuff that you want. Vibration. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's evolution right there. That's how it happens. Um, So, but let me ask you this. Um, yeah. When you initially, and, and I'm asking this for people who are going through what you went through, not exactly, but the aspect of leading a church, any yeah. church, yeah, any church. I mean, Mormon Mormon churches are it's a pretty tight situation. Yes. <laughs> from my understanding, <laughs> believing any kind of religion, if you were raised in it, your parents brought you into it. Mm-hmm. You know, you were, you're born into religion. You're not, you don't generally pick it at the beginning. Right. Generally you're born into it and that's the programming mm-hmm. you get. And that's just the way it is. But when you leave, especially leaving a church like the, the Mormon church, where your entire um, life is revolving around the church, mm-hmm. friends, family, everything, you leave the church, you're almost exiled. Yes. You, what, how did that go for you? And what advice do you have for somebody who might be going through not only the Mormon purchase, like I said, any religion leaving it because they're afraid of losing all their friends and family and basically being ostracized, which is one of the greatest fears a human being can have. Absolutely. So I still have family in the church. So it's, it's kind of that, um, same thing. Um, my sister's life is a good example because her husband is still in the church and some of her daughters as well. Wow. And wow. they had to go to a faith transition council um, to help with their mar- marriage and everything. Yeah. And it turns out this woman was actually a member of the church, but she was open enough to help with faith transition and be, wow. you know, that, that existed. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. And they found it and it saved their marriage. But anyway, hope my sister will be okay with me sharing that. <laughs> but um, basically she's still, dips her foot here and there into church, like what she can handle, like um, a woman's meeting is called a relief society m- meeting. So sometimes she will just go to that. And if it, she's having a hard time with it, 
And I remember this too, when I was transitioning from the church, I would just feel this ball of anger. And I just (laughs) want to stand up and protest and be like that. No, no, that's not mm -mm. like, let's open our eyes here, ladies, you know, kind of thing. Like you just, you want to share your experience, but you also want to be appropriate. So you would just get up and leave. Or if you felt comfortable enough, you would raise your hand, share your experience and have people just kind of, <laughs> you know, do that. And it's hard. It's hard to feel that. Um, but I feel like there's shifts happening in the church today. A lot of shifts where a lot of people are going through this experience because a lot of things about the church, and I don't want to get into the sure. whole historical, like what they've done kind of thing, but that is coming to light for a lot of people. And they're not able to hide that kind of stuff anymore. Plus, someone's intuition when they're sitting in church, it's not feeling right anymore. So that person's already, I didn't have to read a book. I didn't have to read any kind of anti-Mormon literature or anything. All I had to do was go through my experience and look and observe what was happening around me. That was proof enough for me to be like, this This isn't right. This isn't right. To say that men have the power to heal the priesthood, you know, they have the, they hold this Melchizedek priesthood. They have the power to heal with their hands. But I, as a mother who gave birth to my child, I cannot lay my hand on my child and not send her Reiki or healing. Or, You know what I mean? And I'm keeping the swearing down for all, if there's Mormons that are listening. <laughs> so they won't be offended. <laughs> well, I mean, you're also speaking to a, a, an ex-Catholic. So yeah. uh, there's been some stuff in the, in the news about the Catholics lately, uh, the Catholic Church, and they've gone through yeah. their stuff as well. So I think it's happening not just in those two religions. I think all religions Absolutely. are having this kind of this this uh, awakening, this um, this thing that 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 people are just like, this doesn't make any sense anymore, where people before right. older generations would just be like, oh yeah, that's says it in the book. Got to do it. Uh, where now the younger generation coming up, I'm like, no, exactly. no yeah. way. The kids that are being born now, they're just like, that's not going to fly with me. And they, they've already come in knowing, you know, this stuff. And, programmed. Yeah. Programmed yes. at the factory, if you will, with this right. kind of And they're awakening. just like, college now, I'm not going to go to college and accrue a ton of debt, you know, it's, and you know, they're still living at home because they don't accept even just the way our society is going with working nine to five, five days oh. a week, you know, that grind that is not being accepted anymore. Like people are just done with that. You know, I think with our nation and everything and with the skyrocketing prices, I mean, it's, it's all going to come to a head at some point. And I'm just like, when, when's that going to happen? You know? Well, these old What's systems. Happen? Well, these all all these old systems have to kind of be crumbled crumble. down. They have yeah. to crumble because they can't sustain themselves. And in order for mm-hmm. the new to rise, the old has to kind of re- mm-hmm. be reimagined, reimagined in one way, shape, or form, or fall altogether. Right. And it can evolve. Like if they, they if the church did certain things, like um, you know, accepting same-sex marriage and, you know, all of the, just the, a lot of the mainstream issues that are, that are happening. It's just like, maybe they would come forward and be like, you know what, that is true. That was covered up or, you know, the admittance of things, like a lot of that has to happen for somebody to stay, you know? I mean, growing up, the things that are going on now would have just in in the, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. You would never have thought the things that are happening now would ever have come up. Like, 
mm-hmm. marijuana being legal in many of the states mm-hmm. here in the in the United States. Overseas, you know, marijuana being legal. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I smoke marijuana or approve of it, but you know what I'm saying. It's just a point thing. Yeah. But or, or what's going on in the churches? Like it's just mm-hmm. before. You know, I, I said this on the show before, and I'll say it again because it's so powerful. When it happened to me, when I walked, when I was in the Vatican City, I went to Vatican City, and I walked into St. Peter's uh, Basilica, and you sit there in this awe, this awness. I mean, if you've ever walked into that church, it's just awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you look, there's Michelangelo or Raphael fresco, or is that the Petra? Is that like, are you you're like, are you kidding me? Like, this is insane. And I just looked around. I'm like, my God, this has so little to do with Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. little to do with his teachings. This has nothing to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it is all about power. It is all about control. And, and, you know, and I had a conversation with an Italian taxi driver who really went off on that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, went crazy. So it's really, it's a really fascinating um, mm-hmm. what's happening in the world today with all of all the changes Yeah. And it's like, those beliefs are still going to work for those that are comfortable in them, you know, because it answers their questions. They have not been shaken out of it. Um, Maybe that wasn't part of their, you know, uh, life plan or whatever it, it was at the time. But I think it's, like you said, the future of where this is going, more and more things are becoming more exposed. People are following their intuition. They're waking up. They're seeing what's around them. They're following um, their intuition and, and their own guidance. And, you know, I, I'm i telling you, if anybody goes just to the near-death, uh, enderf.org, and reads near-death experiences, that's going to blow and open up their mind right there, is just seeing that there's these related experiences where tunnels of light, and, you know, this is the research that you've been doing. This is your podcast. And how similar it is across the world between cultures. different ages, cultures, religions, you know. And also and eras too. I've yeah. talked to people who, yeah. you know, I think the Edward earliest or whatever. Yeah, well, Edward Casey was mm-hmm. that's early on, but I'm that's not even that early. I'm talking about 1800s, 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um and even some near death experiences in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. The, if you really want to know about what the process is of the afterlife, you read the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That is, exactly. your head will explode. <laughs> it, they, and I've heard from others in near death, they like, that's the closest anyone's really? ever gotten to it. That's yeah, beautiful. The, I heard you talk about that in another podcast. And I'm like, I, first of all, I would love to go there. <laughs> you know, who wouldn't? I would love to. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, but second, I definitely want to read that. Absolutely. Is it available yeah. to read? I, this of is my it's showing. Okay. Oh, of course. Yeah, so Amazon has just copies of it. Everywhere. That's what I figured, yeah. but I wasn't sure if it was like sacred and behind like, you know, plexiglass or whatever. So the, the Tibetans generally, generally, and I'm not an expert, generally don't do that. Um, that, uh, that That's the Vatican. Um, but... <laughs> They have a few couple of pieces of uh, literature underneath the right. <laughs> St. Peter's that uh, <laughs> has been hidden away a little bit, but that's a whole right. other co- that's a whole other podcast. Right. It really uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Um, with all of this that you've gone through, um what do you think this 
What do you think the meaning of it all is for you in this life? Um, I feel like, and I've been told, and it sounds really like egotistic, but I am so not, not an egotistic person. Um, uh, I am an, amb an ambassador of sorts um, in terms of coming from conservative, ultra religious to being an awakened, what I call myself as a star seed because I do remember um, other lives as a different being and I do have contact with divine ET beings. Sure. So therefore I feel like I was coded and I, I was meant to wake up and to remember and to just kind of like, again, I said like trailblaze, but it was, like you said, it wasn't easy. What I know consciously what I would have chosen down, I wouldn't have done that, no. Uh-uh. It, it was too hard. I, there was too many close calls where I would have not have been here due to suicide attempts and um, just the sheer, just the sheer struggle of being yeah. here on this planet. It hurts sometimes to be in a physical body. And, to, you know, sometimes I are you kidding me? Sometimes I wake up in the morning, the things are popping when you're, getting older. <laughs> when you're 16, when you wake up, you don't hear popping sounds constantly. Uh, <laughs> No, you're like, cluck, 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 exactly. cluck, 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 <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's hard to be in a physical body and then to experience trauma and abuse, you know, and, right. and to recover from that. I just want my experience to be able to help other people so that, mm -hmm. one, they feel validated, accepted, and like they're not going crazy because I've worked as a paralegal, like... I, you know, I've, I went to so many therapists to heal my abuse. You know, I've worked with medications and supplements and I've done the, you know, I go, my, my healthcare is military. I go to the military, uh, air force base for my healthcare because my husband is retired military. So I have a very grounded experience yet. I have also this very like esoteric spiritual stuff. And I'm supposed to like bring this together and talk about it. So it's not so crazy and out there and i also need to represent um being a grounded person that looks like they still are an okay person a mom to come up to after school and shake my hand and be like can we have a play date kind of person and not have to worry about like what you talk to aliens what you know <laughs> like mm. i'm supposed to normalize it and i'm supposed to get it mm. ready because we are going to be in contact more and more with them well, yeah, so, there, there's no question about that. And I think there's just this giant uh, awakening that is happening and more and more people are awakening around the world. And, and you know, a lot of people listening might be like, oh, well, what you're doing, it doesn't have to be this grand giant mission that you got to save millions and billions of people. It could be just like whoever I interact with for the rest of my life. Right. I can change their their course just by being who I am. And that's the thing that people are like, how do we change the world? You, you change yourself. Yeah. You change yourself. People around you will look at what you're doing yes. and be inspired without you even having to say a word mm -hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. So, um, I, you can just I, be an energy stake in the ground. Just per, be where you're at. Don't have to say anything in your energy affects people. Just like a yogi, like a, like a yogi yeah. does. You know, when people walk in, they just can't even speak sometimes when yeah. near an enlightened being. Sure. Um, it's been, yeah. It's it's fascinating. Well, I applaud you oh, yeah. for um, not only 
making it through this gauntlet that you've gone through in your life um, and these and these memories that you've shared with us, but also having the courage to uh, come out and share your story with everybody. So thank you, Alex. Uh, that means a lot. Yeah, I do. It's not easy. It's not. It e- isn't. Look, like I've said on the show before, it wasn't easy me launching this show. Yeah. Um. It, it, this was a scary ass pr- proposition for me. You know, I'm not a monk. I'm not a yogi. <laughs> you know, and I was definitely You're a film producer. Yeah. I'm a filmmaker, and I was living in another world, and this world is not the world I came from. So mm-hmm. it was something that I was called to do, and. Like when you're called to do it as, as a good storyteller knows the call to action, you go, no, 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 I can't go because be a starfighter and and beat Darth Vader. I just want to stay here (laughs) and be a farm boy. (laughs) Um, But things happen and you kind of. Things happen and and they always happen to move you, to nudge you, to get back onto that path and that passion. And this is part of it. And, and sharing my journey is definitely part of it. So thank you for letting me do that. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask sure. all my guests. Yeah. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Um, fulfilled life is if you get purple epic gear on your avatar, <laughs> you get a legendary mount. No. <laughs> nice. Nice. You are geeking out hard. I like it. Like it. But what that translates is come to this world and experience it like use your senses. You know, that's the one beautiful thing about being in the physical body is we get to eat pasta and pizza and all those really good foods and the the touch of human skin on skin. Like we can't get that over there, you know, on that side. This is, these are these beautiful things that we've come here on this earth to experience is physical reality. And, um, you know, um, just do your best is, is what I, and when your best doesn't even feel like your best, it's still your best. Fair because enough. you're here. Yeah. Now, if you had a chance to go back in time and talk to mm-hmm. little Rebecca, mm-hmm. what advice would you give her? Oh my gosh. That's, oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Um, so I'm still experiencing a lot of chronic pain with my healing journey. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure because, you know, the body keeps score. That's a good book to read, by the way, um, about trauma and how your cells, you know, um, kind of embody that trauma. But anyway, a lot of chronic pain can come out and um, there was a big piece missing in my healing journey and it was self-compassion. I'm a big perfectionist and um, that was holding me back a lot. Um, It's funny how you think that you've healed from the abuse, but yet your thoughts to your own self can be abusive, you know, with how, you should be doing this. You should be that. You should have did this more perfectly, that kind of thing. So I've been working with, um, my pain coach and, um, she's been great. And a big part of it has been learning how to be self-compassionate because women in our society, we're not taught to do that at all. What is self-compassion? It it sounds like you're letting yourself off the hook, like you're being lazy, but it's Mm -hmm. so much more than that. It's, it's giving yourself love and trying to teach yourself how do you love yourself. And that has been my biggest thing that I've wanted to say to myself when I've been young, just like do everything you can to learn how to love yourself because that is going to be the biggest thing that's going to help you in your healing journey. So beautiful. How do you define God or source? Um, Everything, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Color, sound, vibration, 
everything around us, um, music. So, yeah. Play that harp just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Alex. That was for you. <laughs> and, and finally, what is the ultimate purpose of life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Ultimate purpose of life. Like I said, just come and experience, enjoy, take what you can from this life and in physical form. Um, you know, there's a lot of argument whether like, oh, the soul is here to grow because we need to grow and evolve. And then some people say, oh, but the soul is already evolved. So it's like there's, there's these two different beliefs. And I've actually thought both of them at times. I'm like, yeah, I can believe this is true. And I also believe that's true as well. So what is it? Well, I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to experience what I can. I'm going to heal what I can. I'm going to share it with others and I'm going to treat others like I would like to treat myself, the golden rule. So fair enough. Now, yeah. where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Oh, thank you. So I have a YouTube channel, um, Becky Works, uh, Harp Strings and Wings. And I also have a website with the same name and Instagram. And on there, I share a lot of free content, free harp music that you can listen to if you just want to meditate, chillax, whatever. Um, I share a lot of spiritual awakening videos um there's my whole faith transition story it's like a two-hour video <laughs> on my channel that took forever to upload <laughs> mm -hmm. but um that is going to go into a future book i'm writing so i i'm i've started writing that which is is hard because you know i'm you go through it all it. again you oh, know, I know. Oh, I know i'm like it needs to be written because when i was on the bathroom floor in the hospital when i was hospitalized that was what kept me going. You're going to write a book one day. Um, and basically it's translated into this today. What I'm doing right now is sharing my story. So thank you. If you come and visit me, I'd love it. Rebecca, thank you so much uh, for coming yeah. on the show and sharing your journey with us. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Alex. Thank you. I want to thank Rebecca so much for coming on the show and sharing her experience with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 336. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.